You are listening to the Mary Jane Society podcast, brought to you by Studio 420, a cannabis-friendly marketing agency. I'm your host, Pam Schmiel, marketing director for Studio 420. Are you a cultivator or extractor looking to build brand awareness? Consider launching a pre-roll brand. According to Harrison Bard, CEO of Custom Cones USA, it's easier than you think. Harrison gives us many tips and tricks on how to turn a simple pre-roll into a brand building catalyst by adding a unique type of filter or shape or size or a multi-pack format. Custom Cones USA is a leader in not only manufacturing pre-roll cones, but they're also experts with lots of great ideas on what makes an outstanding pre-roll. Let's meet Harrison. Hey, hi Harrison. How are you doing? Good, good. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, you look young for being the owner of a business. Yeah. How did Custom Cones USA come about? How did you start it? Then how did you actually launch it and fund it? I mean, it's got to be expensive with all the equipment. Did you design the equipment? How did that go? So the business was started by myself and a co-founder, um, Frederick Rating. We were both working at Amazon. It was both our first job when we graduated from college. So we met up in Seattle at Amazon. We were both working for the corporate business side where we would just work with the, the larger vendors on Amazon. And uh, we were in like a program where you were meeting other people who were just starting at Amazon. And during like one of those... Um, warm-up type things that had came out that were both really entrepreneurial so i started talking to each other and we both were very interested in the cannabis industry and it quickly became that every day at lunch at amazon we'd sit around and say man this place sucks let's quit and let's just start a business get involved into the cannabis industry and actually i only chose to work at amazon because it was in washington so when i was going to school in north carolina you know very non-cannabis friendly it was uh, a requirement that my next job would be in either Washington, California, or Colorado, or Oregon, because those were the states that were recreational at the time. So that's what brought me out here. And then, you know, we really just wanted to get involved in the industry, both super passionate about cannabis and entrepreneurship. So I wouldn't necessarily advise it, but we just quit Amazon, uh, uh, pretty much our one year anniversary. We had a rough idea of what we wanted to do, but not a full plan, not a lot of traction behind it. So that's why I said I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but it did force us to do stuff. You know, you hear a lot of the times, you know, entrepreneurs are too scared to start. And then if you don't have something to fall back on, you have no choice but to work and figure these things out. So, you know, originally Custom Cones USA was not our original business concept but we had quit our jobs. We weren't making any money. We were just, you know, going to every single networking event, um, talking to businesses. And we just started to hear about pre-rolls and pre-rolled cones and that there was a huge demand. So we said, okay, um, let's see what we could do. So we're really good at e-commerce. So we threw together a quick website. We're on Alibaba networking with different manufacturers. Actually ended up becoming um, close friends with the manufacturer on there. And that's how we ended up starting the business. And companies were calling us at the time, we were only custom cones USA. So we we're only offering custom branded cones, you know, hence the name. Mm-hmm. But companies were calling us saying, hey, I need 100,000 pre-roll cones yesterday. What do you have in stock? And we were like, well, we only do custom branded cones. So, you know, we'll let you know. And, you know, hang up. Next customer would call, same story. I need 50,000 cones. What do you have? 
So we quickly realized that we need, you know, unbranded stock inventory as well to handle the demand that was picking up, as well as offering the custom branded type of product for these businesses. And, you know, it wasn't our original business concept, but this one started picking up steam. And so we, you know, put our other ideas to the side and started putting everything into customcomesusa.com. Do you do all the packaging or you just... Yeah. So when we first started, we only did one product and it was a custom branded pre-rolled cone. Since then, we've really evolved to become a one-stop shop for anything needed for a pre-roll company. So anything from the paper products, from cones, all the different paper types, different type of blunt wraps, different shapes and sizes, to the final packaging, you know, plastic tubes, glass tubes, labels. And then we do all of the machines in between, from the grinder, to the sifter, to the cone filling machine, to labeling machines, um, automated infusion machines, automated pre-roll manufacturing machines. And so we've grown over the years to really become experts in everything related to pre-rolls. And now we offer everything. So in order to make thousands, if not tens of thousands or hundred thousands of joints per month, which a lot of these big brands are doing now, you need a more scalable way to manufacture it. So, you know, this type of thing first originated out of Amsterdam where they had the need to produce joints at scale before anyone else did. So um, they invented an empty cone that you could load into a device where the cone shape helped funnel the flour down into it. And then some smokers prefer the cone shape as well because a majority of the flour is at the end where it's the freshest. And then as it burns down, it's smaller and smaller. So it's, you're smoking less of that harsh stuff at the bottom. Mm. Oh, okay. I never knew how that, um, how that evolved and came to be. Okay. So that's uh, something that came out of Amsterdam. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, when you found people on Alibaba or you found this manufacturer, you found someone who actually had the machine and, and you, part, you brought it to the United States or you bought it. Is that what you did? So that's was our initial, our original intention was we're like, okay, how, how do we make pre-rolled cones? We must need to buy a pre-rolled cone making machine. So we started scouring the internet, searching everywhere we could. And then it turns out that pre-rolled cones are actually a handmade item. There is some level of machinery and semi-automated process. And then there's a lot of engineering companies now that are working on completely automating the production of pre-rolled cones. But at the time, it was still a very um, laborious process. And so we started searching for a machine, but then we ended up just finding a manufacturer. And finding a reliable pre-rolled cone manufacturer is incredibly tricky. So it's a handmade item, so there's a ton of variability. And you need to be really careful about your raw materials as a cannabis company. Everything needs to be compliant for heavy metals, pesticides, microbials. And then the, the handmade nature of the product leads to a lot of variability. And in order for these cones to fit into your machines, there's very tight tolerances. And if they're not the right size, they won't fit into your machines. And then your production times will go up or if you could even use them at all in your manufacturing process. So it was very difficult to find a good quality factory. And then even when we did back then, the quality has improved tremendously over the past, you know, five to six years. Um, there's, it's night and day compared to, you know, what we were working with before. And then even when those machines do come out, a pre-roll is one of the most customizable formats in the cannabis industry. There's multiple sizes, multiple paper types. You could change the filter length, filter diameter, there's hemp wraps, you know, different types of filters, glass filter, wood filter, you know, ceramic filter. So when you're using automated machinery, it really is good at doing one thing and one thing only. And given how much of a variety there is in cannabis, we don't see the pre-roll cone making machines totally getting rid of the, the other formats and the other handmade cone items. 
but yeah, that technology is still a little bit of away from what we've seen. So, um, are, do you have an assembly line of humans and part machine, part humans assembling all these thousands of pre-rolls you're making for people? Yeah, so all of the cones in the world are manufactured overseas. All the original main factories that were supplying Amsterdam and um, when they first were doing like the cannabis cafes over there were in Indonesia. So that's where a lot of the big factories are. And then India as well um, has a lot of cone rolling factories. And then there is some cones coming out of China as well. Those are the main areas. Um, and there are some other factories popping up in similar type of countries. So you're basically importing all these cones that you're selling. Yep. Yeah, we do a lot of um, procurement of the raw materials. We're really diligent in, in terms of making sure everything is the highest quality rolling paper, making sure the filter papers are going to pass for heavy metals and pesticides. We do a lot of product development and design as well. So we were the first company to release a hemp wrap blunt cone in a B2B format. And we were also the first company to release a tube shape pre-roll product specifically for the cannabis industry, similar to a cigarette tube, but made with rolling paper and not a cigarette type filter. Oh, then, I saw that on your website. Yeah, wait, so you're saying that just requires a different cone that they can attach to the cigarette type uh, roll. It's an entirely different product. Yeah. So in terms of pre-rolls, there's two main shapes. There's a cone shape, which is what most people know. And then there's more of a tube shape, which is similar to a cigarette. The cigarette is like a small eight millimeter size pre-roll. And then, you know, your larger blunts will be like nine, 11 or 12 millimeters in diameter. And so we, we do a lot of product development. So like I mentioned, the hemp wrap blunt cones and those artisan tubes, which is like our cigarette tube, but for cannabis with a rolling paper and a regular paper tip. But we've also developed glass tipped and wood tipped tubes for the cannabis industry, which weren't around back then. We've worked on different type of botanical blunt cones made out of all natural goji berry, which are this beautiful bright orange color, as well as a cocoa wrap and a sage wrap, all of which are like a non-hemp non-tobacco, non-nicotine alternative to a blunt wrap. Oh, wow. So yeah, we're doing a lot of importing of all the these products that are coming from overseas, but we're doing a lot of the design and raw material procurement for these. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So I didn't realize there were so many variations on the papers and all that kind of stuff. So what what is, what is becoming the popular uh, product uh, is it, I mean, as far as paper goes, I've definitely seen people talk about the paper, um, you know, different things, but what, what, what's leading the pack in, in that? Yeah, so by far the most popular pre-roll skew is going to be a one gram cone with white paper. There's a lot of misconceptions about white paper. So one of the biggest brands elements, they call their white paper rice paper. So a lot of consumers in the industry know rice paper and they say, well, is this white paper? Is it rice paper? And that's actually just a marketing gimmick. Rice paper is what you would eat at like a Vietnamese restaurant. And even if you did make rolling paper out of rice, it would just be the, the fiber from the stock, which is cellulose. And at the end of the day, when you're making paper from plants, you're really just going after that cellulose, which is like the building block of the plant. And it's all the same. So... And as far as I know, actually, that rice paper is just regular wood pulp paper, but that's really great marketing that they did. So that's the big misconception that white paper is rice paper, but that's by far the most popular. And the one gram format is, is the dominant one in dispensaries. But what we're seeing now become really popular is mini pre-rolls and multi-packs. 
So the little dog walkers, which were popularized by GTI out of Chicago with the brand dog walkers, that kind of became the Kleenex where the brand name just became a term that people use now. So most people just refer to all mini pre-rolls as dog walkers, but that was actually, you know, the brand that came out of Chicago. Those are becoming really popular um, in anywhere from like five to 10 packs, even up to like 15 or 20 packs. And then we're seeing five packs become really popular at more of a 0.7 size. So 5.7 pre-rolls will get you 3.5 grams of flour, which is an eighth, which is like a nice number that cannabis is typically sold in. So that's a really popular format as well. And uh, the multi-packs, I've been kind of hearing about this too, is are the multi-packs, you mean multi-strain packs? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so sometimes it's multi-strain, which is great. That gives the consumer a lot of variety, which people love. And then sometimes it's just a multi-pack where people know and love one particular strain and they just want to load up and you know save by getting everything in bulk. So from a manufacturing perspective, you're spreading out the cost of that packaging and the label of packaging amongst all those pre-rolls because it takes almost the same amount of time to put one pre-roll in a tube versus grabbing a few dog walkers and putting them in the tube. And then you're spreading out that cost of the labor, the actual plastic tube, your your main sticker label, and then the variable product data, which has your like compliance info sticker. All of that remains the same, but now you're dividing it between one pre-roll versus maybe 10 pre-rolls in that multi-pack. So it's a lot more economical for the consumer to buy in, in that way. Mm. And um, so I think you, uh, so how about the competition? Well, actually, let me just back up. How long have you been in business for? So we've been in business since about 2017. Okay. So going on, I think six years now. Okay. Wow. That's fantastic. And you're based out of Seattle? Yeah. Just south of Seattle and Kent. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, and who is your competition out there? I mean, are when you started and now are there more just because pre-rolls have become so you mm -hmm. know, popular? Yeah. So when we started pre-rolls weren't that cool, you know, pre-rolls were kind of an afterthought. A lot of manufacturers were just putting their trim and their shake into pre-rolls and so therefore it was a low quality product and consumers aren't stupid so it wasn't that great of an item to buy but pre-rolls have grown tremendously over the past few years and now companies know that a pre-roll is actually like your best foot forward this is like a cheap accessible item where you can get someone to try your brand or a new strain and then get them to come over and buy you know your eighth jars or your larger formats or your multi-packs of pre-rolls. So now companies are starting to put a lot more effort and putting a lot more quality into the pre-roll, way more full flower pre-rolls. And then the infused pre-roll segment's been blowing up. Yeah. So yeah, definitely the competition's been in increasing a lot since we first started. The The main competitors are Futurola. That's actually the Dutch Amsterdam-based company that really popularized pre-rolled cones. And then Raw, of course, is also huge in the consumer space and they supply their cones to businesses as well. Oh, okay, so that's a more recognizable brand to me, but the, the Dutch brand, are they are they ex are importing into the United States? Yeah, yeah, so their factory, you know, so them and Raw actually, I believe, share the same factory out of Indonesia. It's a huge mega factory that supplies most people in the industry. We have our own factories, um, but, yeah, they import into the U.S. They're not as obviously not a, a as known of a consumer brand as Raw, but they're pretty well known in the the B two B space. And I think the biggest thing that sets us apart from Futurol and Raw is really our expertise in pre rolls, number one, and our variety. 
So like I mentioned, we were the first to launch the the bulk hemp wrap cone and then Futurola launched that shortly after. And if you look at our website versus their website, we have you know, hundreds of different shapes and sizes and filter tips and different ways to brand it. Whereas those companies are, are you know, just bulk cheap type of cones. And we really have a lot more variety. If you're looking to start a brand or expand your pre-roll line, come up with new SKUs, that's where really we really come into play and could help grow your product line. So basically your two competitors are sharing a factory in Indonesia and you have your own factory. Mm -hmm. yeah. Where's the factory? Is it in Indonesia as well? Yeah. So we actually have multiple factories, which helps us ensure that we're always able to stay in stock and, and supply our customers. So we have multiple factories in Indonesia and in India. And then another big thing that really sets us apart is we're like a full service pre-roll supply company. So we have all the different paper products, all the different machines and all the packaging options. So raw really is just paper products, just the cone. They kind of sell machines, but not really. Futurola has the leading pre-roll machine, the knockbox. That was like the first pre-roll machine that anyone in the industry would have ever become familiar with. So that dominates the space. But what sets us apart is we have all sorts of machines. So we have grinders, sifters, um, pre-roll machines, of course, automated pre-roll machines. We have an infusion machine, and then we also do different packaging machines. So oh. we can really help scale your entire manufacturing process. And our sales team here is super, super educated and knowledgeable about everything pre-roll related. So a customer may call us and say, hey, I'm not able to you know, get this amount of weight into my cone. What am I doing wrong? And we'll be able to troubleshoot, you know, maybe you're using the wrong cone, or maybe you're not grinding your material the right way, or they're maybe they're not aware of how important sifting could be in the manufacturing process. We're also able to point out like where your bottlenecks are going to be or just different tips and tricks. So we really take a consultatory approach and, and really are educational with our customers. Well, the infusion machine that you mentioned, what, how does that, is, is there an actual machine? That yeah. That sticks the, I mean, because I know people are using different formats between the rosin, the hash mixed up. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm really seeing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this machine is really interesting because it could infuse any type of product and it doesn't matter what you're manufacturing it with. So it takes finished joints and then you put it into a cartridge and then a medical grade needle goes inside and injects a rod of oil into the center of the pre-roll. And it has a heated hopper where you're able, to, if as long as your concentrate could be liquefied, it could be infused in there. So we've oh. had people do distillate all the way up to like high quality hash rosin. Yeah, so there's a circular cartridge where you'll load 20 pre-rolls. And like I said, it could be made with any machine. So you could be hand rolling a two gram craft product. We would custom make a cartridge to fit it, or you could just be using the 109 most common cone using a knock box using our pre-roll machine, you could be using an automated machine, it doesn't matter. We would make sure that it fits into the cartridge and then the cartridge raises up to the machine, to the needle and then the oil gets deposited from bottom to top. And you could program within the machine, I want the rod of oil to start 10 millimeters above the filter and then dispense for 30 millimeters and then stop. So the rod of oil is actually directly into the center of the pre-roll and in the middle. It's not too close to the top or not too close to the bottom. So a lot of companies right now, the way they're manufacturing infused pre-rolls is by painting it on the outside. You'll see a lot of like the fuzzy joints where they're oil and then rolling it in keef. Yeah. 
So those burn really harsh. If you've ever lit one of those and you hold the lighter to the end, you probably notice like a thick black plume of smoke coming off the end. You're like directly combusting oil on fire, which is not what you want to do. People who are dabbing concentrates, they do it on a low temperature because it's not burning it and it's going to have better flavor. And when you burn something and carcinogens are coming out. So by infusing it into the center, you're actually vaporizing the oil. So the hot ember at the end of the pre-roll is heating up, melting and vaporizing the oil before it even touches it. So you're getting a much smoother, lighter smoke, and you're getting like the full benefit of the oil versus directly combusting it. You know, I don't know the exact numbers, but you must be degrading a huge portion of the oil by burning it directly versus vaporizing it slowly throughout the time you're smoking the pre-roll. So you sell this equipment to people who are looking to not do hand infused pre-rolls, which I've heard a lot of people doing. Yeah, that is by far the most popular way to do it. It was like essentially the only way to do it originally. There are companies that mix the oil directly into the flour and then fill it in a pre-roll machine, or you might be able to mix keef into the flour or bubble hash, but um it's really hard to homogenize that mixture and make sure it's uniform. It's really labor intensive. And then there's like a high likelihood that it'll gunk up and stick throughout your manufacturing process. So your throughput is going to be much slower. Infused pre-rolls are now making up almost 40% of all pre-roll sales. So a huge shift is going into that category. In Canada, pre-rolls are twice as popular as they are in the US, but they're kind of slower to catch on to the infused pre-roll trend or the like more top shelf connoisseur pre-rolls. So it's only making up 11% of the total pre-roll sales, I believe in Canada right now. If that catches up to the US, we should expect to see a huge explosion in Canada of more top shelf and infused pre-roll products. Yeah, wow, that's great. I guess you're just saying the cone sizes might not fit into their machine. So they might have little bottleneck issues with that. Is, is that pretty much what? Yeah, so there's a couple big issues if you're not working with a reliable cone company. So the first thing is compliance. That's gonna be the most important thing. If you're not buying your cones from a reliable company, there's a chance that they might fail for heavy metals or pesticides. Not likely microbials, unless it's a hemp wrap product or a natural leaf, like a palm leaf type product or something with a corn husk filter. But so definitely want to make sure that things are compliant. Otherwise, you could face recalls. Um, we saw a case in Colorado where people were using the palm leaf product of the King Palm brand, and there was a massive recall because those were failing for a variety of reasons. And then if the cones are not the right size, yeah, they won't fit in your machines. They're, they're usually variable. So there's a chance a certain percentage will fit, but then your team is wasting time trying to figure out what does and doesn't and then discarding the rest. And then there's the chances that the glue line is of a lower quality that might bust open during the manufacturing process. And then you have more rework and waste product. And um, there's also, then it comes down to more product quality, but there's different qualities of paper and there's different ways you could roll the cone with as little paper as possible, whereas some are take a more cheaper approach to manufacturing it and there's more overlap. So you're smoking a, a pre-roll where the paper's overlapped multiple times, where as with our cones, we use a straight gum line. So there's no overlapping at all, except for over the edge of the cone. Mm. So you're smoking less paper and, and more cannabis product. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's pretty tricky. And then, you know, if, if they buy a machine from somewhere else, are your cones going to fit? I guess that's my question. Yeah, yeah. No, we're really diligent in, in making sure our cones match the industry standard sizes. 
So the big factories out of Indonesia that supply like butyrol and raw, they developed pretty much the industry standard size that everyone's using now. And then everyone's just copying those sizes. And so we make sure that our cone sizes are the industry standard sizes. So you don't have to buy our machine. You know, we really don't care. Um, our sales team's not commissioned. So we're always just advocating on what the customer needs. We're not trying to oversell a small business. So yeah, you could buy your machines from elsewhere and our cones will work in those. I'm on the East Coast. I'm in New York City. So a lot going on over here in the tri-state area. Uh, have you been talking to entrepreneurs over here? I'm just curious who you're talking to in this whole Northeast area, like the entrepreneurs and... Yeah. No, so we were just at the um, CWC B-Trade show in New York City not too long ago. That was a great show for us. A lot of excitement in the New York I area. I saw you. Yeah, I didn't see you. Specific. I didn't know you, but I, I did stop by your booth, actually. Yeah, I was intrigued by the machines. Of course, I never get to see that stuff. So um, I, I did see you guys had a, a lot of buzz around your table, for sure. Yeah, we have all the machines there, so you could see them hands-on, test them out. But we also have samples of all of our paper products there, all of our cones, the stuff with the fancy tips or hemp wraps. So yeah. consumers love, you know, coming up to the booth and getting to try all the new things that we have going on. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, New York's definitely starting to pick up. We work with a lot of MSOs that are in other states, and they're now reaching out to us saying, you know, they're anticipating New York allowing pre-rolls. I just saw a press release from Columbia Care that said they were the first pre-roll allowed in New York. But um, I did a little bit more research. I still don't see any change in the medical legislation for New York, but companies are reaching out to us saying that they're anticipating it. So there might be some inside chatter that we're not privy to, but that if you're really in that community and talking with the Office of Cannabis Management up there in New York, there does seem to be some movement where that's about to be a new product. I did just read something today about the MSOs wanting to flip over to REC because I know many of them came in under medical. Mm -hmm. um, it seems like it's going to be a pretty high bar. They're talking about a $20 million fee to flip over to REC. But you're saying that New York State is, not, is allowing pre-rolls to be sold? Yeah, under New York's medical legislation, oh. combustible products are specifically not allowed. So I believe the language is saying like edibles are okay and vaporizers, but there's something in there that specifically says pre-rolls are not allowed for sale under the medical program. So there's, there's a ton of legacy or, you know, gray market operators in New York selling pre-roll products, but the legitimate medical dispensaries as of now have not been allowed to sell right. pre-rolls. But people, our bigger MSO clients that are already medical in New York or in other states that are going to move into New York have been reaching out, asking for pre-rolls and alluding that it's going to be for the New York market. So we see that change coming. Right. Well, I mean, it'll be it'll be legal in the rec market. They're just saying if they can't if they can't flip over and they have to stay medical, they're, they're hoping that the pre-rolls. Is that what you're saying? If they're. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, even yeah, even if they don't flip over to recreational, we expect that medical legislation to open up to allow pre-rolls as well. Right, because we just got flour. You could only you could only buy ground ground flour here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And from a medical standpoint, the people that are smoking the ground flour that are really using it medicinally oftentimes have a hard time rolling. They're either cancer patients, have arthritis, other sort of physical diseases where cannabis really helps them, and and they really struggle with rolling. So having a pre-roll product and in, in combusting it really gives you the fast, immediate effects yeah. of cannabis. Right. And 
Yeah, so um, it doesn't really make sense that that wouldn't be allowed automatically, especially if you're just buying ground flour and gonna do it yourself. You're right. that, that's a great point. Yeah, that's, that's really a great point. Um, okay, so I guess we'll just kind of wind it down here. It's been interesting. So, well, I know that you're saying, I know you work with a lot of the MSOs. How about some of the, the mom and pops or any of the smaller mom and pop entrepreneurs been reaching out to you? Well, you know, pre-rolls are actually one of the most accessible, like low investment, low footprint or small footprint type of things you could make for cannabis. So as long as you don't have to grow the flower and you're able to procure that on the wholesale market, it's really cheap and really small footprint to make pre-rolls. So for less than $5,000 on our website, you could buy our number one best-selling grinder, our number one, number one best-selling pre-roll machine, as well as a sifter. And with those, those three machines and one to two employees, you could be making 2,000 pre-rolls in an eight-hour shift. Oh, so for $5,000, you would get all those three? And then yeah, and yeah. And with one or two people, you could be making 2,000 joints a day. And for a lot of small brands, you know, that's more than enough. They might not even be producing pre-rolls every day, just maybe a couple of days out of the week. Right. And so it's either the brands doing it, like the little brands, just the CPG brands or the dispensary owners wanting to put out their own brand. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And if you compare that to, let's say, like extraction equipment, that could be tens, if not hundreds of thousand dollars, requires an explosion proof room, special, you know, coating, you know, electricity, piping. Um, making edibles, you know, might require commercial kitchen, you know, really specialized machinery. Um, so pre-rolls is actually really easy to do if you don't have to grow the material. And even if you are growing it, it's a great add-on. If you're already making concentrates and edibles for such a small investment, you could be making this high margin item that in the U.S. is the third most popular category um, after flour and concentrates, I believe. And then in Canada, it's the second most popular category right after flour is pre-rolls. That's very inexpensive mm -hmm. going. Okay. And um, I'm sure you cannot predict this or anyone can't predict this, but just out of curiosity, do you see any other, the next consumption craze coming along after pre-rolls? I mean, it was brilliant when you think about, you know, what could be the next big thing? Yeah. So, you know, infused pre-rolls kind of already is the next big thing. And then more specifically, we're seeing hash rosin. So even if it's not, related to pre-rolls, just cannabis industry overall, hash rosin is, if not already the next big thing, going to be the next big thing if you're not already aware of it. So hash rosin is a solventless, like the highest quality type of concentrate you can make. Compared to the other types of concentrate you could make out of anything. So a low quality product, you just have to get a bunch of it. So if it's a low quality outdoor flower, you just need more of it to make a high potency distillate. But with hash rosin, you can't really put garbage in and get a good quality product out. You have to put quality in to get quality out. So as more consumers are becoming, you know, connoisseurs and wanting the best of the best and spending more money in the, in the category or in dispensaries, they're um, gravitating towards hash rosin. Um, and here in Washington State, where we're located, there used to be like one or two companies that sold hash rosin. Many of the dispensaries wouldn't even carry it. Um, a high quality dispensary will keep it refrigerated. And so some dispensaries didn't have a little refrigerator for those type of items. And now we're seeing more of them have it. And we're now seeing more hash rosin or ros resin infused gummies. Yes, I've seen that. Category. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So companies are elevating their edible experience. It's a much more full spectrum, higher quality edible product going from distillate to a, a rosin based gummy. 
and in the pre-roll space too, you know, you could infuse a pre-roll distillate, which is a lower grade concentrate, but now the higher tier brands are doing hash rosin infused pre-rolls. And so we can, we're expecting to see that continue to be a big trend. Oh yeah, actually great points. Those are, those are the ones coming out. Um, and the difference between just like the regular crumbly hash that, you know, of the old days, uh, the rosin is, it's, it's more of a liquid form. Is that what it is? Yeah, so the way in which they make that is, so hash is just compressed trichromes and plant matter that's dried. It's not processed further than that. And then the way they make hash rosin is they get all that same keef and then they press it under pressure and heat and then they squeeze out all of the good stuff and then all of the plant matter, the bad stuff stays behind. Oh. So whereas your old school hash that you know your parents would have had is brown, the the new high quality hash rosin is like a pure white color or a little bit golden depending on how cured the plant is before they make it so it's a much more pure um, a lot of people go for it for the flavor so it's going to be the most flavorful type of experience you could have mm. i have heard from people i'm talking to on the west coast i hear uh, solventless uh extraction methods is, is all the time like that's come everybody's talking about it so yeah, it's very real that everything comes out of the West Coast first. It's pretty funny or cool, you know, so all the trends do come out of the West Coast and we're seeing them with our business customers slowly take hold and, and grow as we move across the U.S. So um, the East Coast is still a little bit underdeveloped compared to the West oh, Coast, yeah. you know, by far, but the Massachusetts market is growing really fast. Um, you know, Michigan's more in the Midwest and Oklahoma, but those markets have been exploding over the past couple of years. And we're really excited for New York and New Jersey. Those are two huge, huge states. Going to bring a ton of jobs and a lot more consumers to the market. Yeah, you know, the West Coast has been out in the open, destigmatizing, innovating, you know, where basically all we had was flour here. No one's innovating with machines and extractions. And, you know, it's just straight up flour if you want a bag of weed, you know, um, that's what we've been dealing with for a long time. So, so it'll be so interesting to see what the innovation is, you know, taking a lead from everybody on the West Coast who's already done it and see how we can put a spin on it and, you know, with our people here. So it'll be interesting. Mm -hmm. um, one more question is if there's a pre-roll brand that, that you really think is killing it, that you absolutely love. Yeah. So the pre-roll brands that are, you know, taking the share of mind out there in the media and all over the place is probably going to be Jeter and Lowell. So Lowell is like one of the original cannabis companies that poured so much money into their branding and marketing. And that, you know, definitely shows in the quality of their packaging and the type of marketing materials they put out. Jeter is definitely a, a much younger company, but they're going toe to toe with Lowell in terms of the marketing spend and the quality that they're putting out. And it's a totally different type of branding and consumer that they're going after. But those two brands definitely are dominating the pre-roll space. And what they both have in common is they do unique SKUs and multi-packs. So Lowell's always coming out with unique pre-rolls. They have a new one that they just launched called the 35, which is more of a cigarette style pre-roll, that tube shape with a cigarette type paper. And a, it's not a cigarette filter, but it looks and feels like one a little bit. And then Jeter is really known for their infused pre-rolls. And they also have ceramic tipped cones pre-rolls. So a more premium tip. And Jeter also does a ton of flavors. So flavors aren't for everyone, but a lot, a lot of consumers love flavors. So Jeter has a ton of different flavor packs 
Uh, they do a lot of collabs as well. They did a collab with Ricky Williams. They did uh, like a Super Bowl edition and they do really creative marketing things. If you definitely, if you're not familiar with them, I would check it out. But what I would say, which is reassuring to all brands in every state is if you're not in California, you almost hardly know of those people. So like when we're in trade shows in all the states and we go all over from Michigan, Oklahoma, Massachusetts, New York, you know, everywhere. And we talk to the brands that are down there and the consumers, like no one, no one really knows of Lowell and Jeter. So if you're in a smaller state and you're thinking, oh, I already missed the boat. These brands are huge. They're huge in California. And even then, you know, not everyone in the state knows and loves them. So if you're in a new state, there's plenty of opportunity to develop an amazing brand and, and really corner the market there. Right, right, right. Yeah, I yeah, I guess it's just all about creating a, a brand buzz and get the following a community and try to do it that way. Yeah. And at the end of the and at the end of the day, it's really all about the product. In my mind, the branding comes secondary. Like people don't love Coca-Cola because it has a cool word mark. It's a great tasting beverage and, you know, they innovate in their category. So, you know, Jeter and Lowell both have been innovating in the pre-roll space. So if you're a brand in another state, you know, you should come out with the one gram pre-roll with the white paper. That's cheap and accessible. and Everyone knows that. But, you know, you could still build an incredible brand by innovating, having a unique type of filter, a unique shape or size, you know, or a unique multi-pack format, a nice experience. Oh, that's great advice. That's great. I love that. Well, my last question would be, but I feel like you've just been giving us such great ideas is um, if you were to launch your own pre-roll brand based on all this stuff, is there something special that you would do or? Yeah, so I mean, it's probably going to be a lot of the same themes that we're seeing as popular. So the the little dog walker multi packs. If you're not offering those, that's a great easy item to add. You don't need to do anything special to your manufacturing process. You just need to buy the smaller cones, but they should fit into whatever machines you're most likely using. Um, and then you could design cute packaging for it, and that's really going to resonate with your customers or help you get some visual marketing buzz having like a new cute type of packaging concept. Definitely infuse pre-rolls if you're a concentrate company and you're not selling pre-rolls. Infuse pre-roll might be your way to go to, you know, it might not make sense to you as a concentrate company releasing a flower pre-roll, but putting your oil into it, that may make a lot of sense. And then that may help you expand into selling your flower if you're growing it as well and not just extracting it. And um, flavors too. I mean, for me personally, I'm not huge into flavors. I don't like when companies put the botanical terpenes. So like there's natural terpenes, cannabis derived terpenes, and then there's botanical terpenes, which come from, you know, who knows yeah. what natural materials, but they're synthesized and they give off a little bit of harshness and it's not like a authentic flavor. Um, but that's me personally, but consumers love it. You know, if you're going for mass market, you can't go wrong by releasing a flavored product. Mm -hmm. So having actually the number one brand in Washington is a company called Juicy Joints and they only make pre-rolls. And what sets them apart from the competition is they just have like 20 different flavors, you know, like blueberry, grape, cherry, you know, all the different fruit flavors oh, or fun flavors. So I've never, so when you smoke something, you'll get a blueberry taste in there kind of, is that how it, never it's like reminiscent, you know, it's not going to taste like a blueberry pie, but you'll definitely get like some smell and, and flavor profiles. That's like reminiscent of those type of flavors. If you're like a true cannabis purist, you probably don't want that. You want to like taste and understand the plant 
and really like pick out the subtle nuances in the terpene profile from plant to plant or from strain to strain. But like you always hear it in the cannabis industry. People always say like, oh, I wish consumers didn't care only about high THC. I wish they cared more about the strains and the terpene profile. But unfortunately, the fact is they're not as into it or educated enough to even care. And they just want something that's flavorful or something to just show off with their friends. So they want the high potency stuff, you know, a really infused pre-roll or they want something with a fun flavor that, you know, everyone will get a kick out yeah, of. Yeah, that's what, that's what it is, a fun flavor. Everyone will get a kick out of. Wow. Thank you so much. It was really nice to meet you. And I, I learned so much. I found it was so interesting. Who would have thought I was <laughs> really got involved in <laughs> cones. <laughs> I found yeah, you know, pre-rolls, it does seem so simple. It's paper and, and weed, but at the end of the day, there's a lot that goes behind it. You're manufacturing a product, and it is one of the most customizable SKUs in the entire cannabis industry. Change the paper, the size, the, size, the shape, the filter, the ways you brand it. You could infuse it. You could do mixed strains. Yeah. So, yeah, really. You've given everybody a bunch of good ideas on how to you know, tweak their branding and product uh, lineup. So I appreciate that. Well, I really appreciate uh, meeting you and uh, maybe we'll get to meet in person someday. The next time you're at a show in New York, I'll make sure to stop by your booth and uh, say hi. Yeah, yeah, we'll be in at the next CWCB show in 2023. I forget the month, but we'll be yeah. there. All right. Yeah, so I'm not sure when the podcast is coming out, but for anyone listening, we're going to be at the Santa Rosa Hall of Flowers show coming up in October, and then we'll be at the MJ BizCon show in Las Vegas in November. So definitely stop by our booth. Great. Awesome. Thanks, Pam. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.